0: The French Revolution, A History by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution, Book 5, Parliament First, Chapter 7, Constitution Will Not March. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 5, Chapter 7, Constitution Will Not March. To all which our poor legislative, tied up by an unmarching constitution, can oppose nothing by way of remedy but mere bursts of parliamentary eloquence. They go on debating, denouncing, objurgating, loud, weltering chaos which devours itself. But their two thousand and odd decrees? Reader, these happily concern not thee nor me. Mere occasional decrees, foolish and not foolish, sufficient for that day was its own evil. Of the whole two thousand there are not now half a score, and these mostly blighted in the bud by royal veto, that will profit or disprofit us. On the 17th of January the Legislative, for one thing, got its High Court, its Haute Cour, set up at Orléans. The theory had been given by the constituent in May last, but this is the reality, a court for the trial of political offences, a court which cannot want work. To this it was decreed that there needed no royal acceptance, therefore that there could be no veto. Also, priests can now be married, ever since last October. A patriotic adventurous priest had made bold to marry himself then, and not thinking this enough, came to the bar with his new spouse, that the whole world might hold honeymoon with him, and a law be obtained. Less joyful are the laws against refractory priests, and yet no less needful. Decrees on priests and decrees on emigrants, these are the two brief series of decrees, worked out with endless debate and then cancelled by veto, which mainly concern us here. For an august National Assembly must needs conquer these refractories, clerical or laic, and thumbscrew them into obedience. Yet behold, always as you turn your legislative thumbscrew, and will press and even crush till refractories give way, King's veto steps in, with magical paralysis, and your thumbscrew, hardly squeezing, much less crushing, does not act. Truly a melancholy set of decrees, a pair of sets, paralysed by veto, First, under date the 28th of October 1791, we have legislative proclamation issued by Herald and Bill Sticker inviting Monsieur, the King's brother, to return within two months under penalties. To which invitation, Monsieur replies nothing, or indeed replies by newspaper parody inviting the august legislative to return to common sense within two months under penalties whereupon the legislative must take stronger measures. So, on the 9th of November, we declare all emigrants to be suspect of conspiracy and, in brief, to be outlawed if they have not returned at New Year's Day. Will the king say veto? That triple impost shall be levied on these men's properties or even their properties be put in sequestration, one can understand. But further, on New Year's Day itself, not an individual having returned, we declare, and with fresh emphasis some fortnight later again declare, that Monsieur is dechu, forfeited of his eventual heirship to the Crown. Nay more, that Condé, Cologne and a considerable list of others are accused of high treason and shall be judged by our High Court of Orléans. VITO! Then again, as to non-durant priests, it was decreed in November last that they should forfeit what pensions they had, be put under inspection, under surveillance, and, if need were, be banished. VETO! A still sharper turn is coming, but to this also the answer will be VETO! VETO after veto, your thumbscrew paralysed. Gods and men may see that the legislative is in a false position. As alas, who is in a true one? Voices already murmur for a national convention. This poor legislative, spurred and stung into action by a whole France and a whole Europe, cannot act. Can only objugate and perorate with stormy motions, and motion in which is no way, with effervescence, with noise and fulgenous fury. What scenes in that national hall? President jingling his inaudible bell, or, as utmost signal of distress, clapping on his hat, the tumult subsiding in twenty minutes? And this or the other indiscreet member sent to the Abbe prison for three days? Suspected persons must be summoned and questioned, or Monsieur de Sombroy of the Invalide has to give account of himself and why he leaves his gates open. Unusual smoke rose from the Sèvres pottery, indicating conspiracy. The potters explained that it was Necklace Lamotte's memoirs, bought up by Her Majesty, which they were endeavouring to suppress by fire, which nevertheless he that runs may still read. Again, it would seem, Duc de Brissac and the King's Constitutional Guard are making cartridges secretly in the cellars. A set of royalists, pure and impure, black cutthroats, many of them, picked out of gaming houses and sinks, in all 6,000 instead of 1,800, who evidently gloom on us every time we enter the chateau. Wherefore, with infinite debate, let Brissac and King's Guard be disbanded. Disbanded, accordingly they are, after only two months of existence, for they did not get on foot till March of this same year. So ends, briefly, the king's new constitutional maison militaire. He must now be guarded by mere Swiss and blue nationals again. It seems the lot of constitutional things. New constitutional maison seville he would never even establish, much as Barnard urged it. Old resident duchesses sniffed at it and held aloof. On the whole, Her Majesty thought it not worth while. The noblesse would, so soon, be back triumphant. Or, looking still into this national hall and its scenes, behold Bishop Tournay, a constitutional prelate, not of severe morals, demanding that religious costumes and such caricatures be abolished. Bishop Tournay warms, catches fire, finishes by untying and indignantly flinging on the table, as if for gage or bet, his own pontifical cross which cross, at any rate, is instantly covered by the cross of T.D.M. Forche, then by other crosses and insignia, till all are stripped, this clerical senator clutching off his skull-cap, that other his frill-collar, lest fanaticism return on us. Quick is the movement here, and then so confused, unsubstantial, you might call it almost spectral, pallid, dim, inane, like the kingdom of Dis. Unruly Ligué, shrunk to a kind of spectre for us, pleads here some cause that he has, amid rumour, interruption, which excel human patience. He tears his papers and withdraws, the a dust little man. Nay, honourable members will tear their papers, being effervescent. Merlin of Thionville tears his papers, crying, So the people cannot be saved by you, nor are deputations wanting deputations of sections, generally with complaint and denouncement, always with patriot fervour of sentiment, deputation of women, pleading that they also may be allowed to take pikes and exercise in the champ de mar Why not, ye Amazons, if it be in you? Then occasionally, having done our message and got answer, we defile through the hall, singing sa ira, or rather roll and whirl through it, dancing our ronde patriotique the while. A new Carmagnole, or Pyrrhic war dance and liberty dance. Patriot Huguenin, ex advocate, ex carabineer, ex clerk of the barriers, comes deputed with Saint Antoine at his heels, denouncing anti patriotism, famine, forestallment, and man eaters. Asks an august legislative, Is there not a toxin in your hearts against these Monseigneurs d'Hommes? But above all things for this is a continual business the legislative has to remand the king's ministers of his majesty's ministers we have said hitherto and say next to nothing still more spectral these sorrowful of no permanency any of them none at least since montmorin vanished the eldest of the king's council is occasionally not ten days old Feuillant constitutional as your respectable Caille de Guerville, as your respectable unfortunate Delessart, or royalist constitutional as Montmorin, last friend of Necker, or aristocrat as Bertrand Mauleville. They flit there, phantom-like, in the huge, simmering confusion, poor shadows dashed in the racking winds, powerless without meaning, whom the human memory need not charge itself with. But how often, we say, are these poor Majesty's ministers summoned over to be questioned, tutored, nay, threatened, almost bullied? They answer what, with adroitest simulation and casuistry they can, of which a poor legislative knows not what to make. One thing only is clear, that Sumerian Europe is girdling us in, that France, not actually dead, surely, cannot march. Have a care, ye ministers, sharp guarday transfixes you with cross-questions, with sudden advocate conclusions. The sleeping tempest that is in Vernieu can be awakened. Restless Brissot brings up reports, accusations, endless thin logic. It is the man's high day, even now. Condorcet redacts with his firm pen our address of the Legislative Assembly to the French nation. Fiery Max Ina, who for the rest will carry not fire and sword on those Sumerian enemies, but liberty is for declaring that we hold ministers responsible, and that by responsibility we mean death, nous entendons la mort. For verily it grows serious, the time presses, and traitors there are. Bertrand Mauville has a smooth tongue, the known aristocrat, gall in his heart, How his answers and explanations flow ready, Jesuitic, plausible to the ear. But perhaps the notablest is this, which befell once when Bertrand had done answering and was withdrawn. Scarcely had the august assembly begun considering what was to be done with him when the hall fills with smoke. Thick, sour smoke, no oratory, only wheezing and barking, irremediable, so that the august assembly has to adjourn. A miracle? typical miracle? One knows not. Only this one seems to know, that the keeper of the stoves was appointed by Bertrand, or by some underling of his. O, oh, fuliginous, confused kingdom of dis, with thy tantalous sixion toils, with thy angry fire-floods and streams named of lamentation, why hast thou not thy lethe too, that so one might finish? End of Book 5 Chapter 7